Welcome to another edition of Sounding Off on Soccer. This is John Krasinski, Pittsburgh Soccer Now. This uh, We are recording this on Sunday evening. That's July 9th, uh, believe it or not. Lots of activity going on in terms of Pittsburgh soccer. And we'll have two guests with, I'll have two guests today who will talk about two very different things that are going on, but uh, but really good things um, uh, for Pittsburgh soccer, especially on the side we're talking about teams that are playing in Pittsburgh right now. Steel City FC, the NPSL, the UW. UWS, uh, Steel City FC as well, the female team. Uh, both of those clubs have qualified for the playoffs, so that's a pretty exciting thing uh, in their respective leagues. In addition to that, of course, there's been the Riverhounds, of course, haven't lost a match in league play since April. And again, last night, they were up somewhat up to the task, a little bit better performance than the week before against Louisville City. But they still couldn't couldn't finish uh, and couldn't take advantage of a few. You know, look, they had probably had the better of it against Sacramento, the the, the Western Conference leaders last night, uh, and of course Pittsburgh Soccer. Now, Dom Campbell was there. He provided the match report and all of the post match reaction. So be sure to check that out on Pittsburgh Soccer. Now we'll have a lot more on the Riverhounds uh, in the week to come. But yeah, they're at they're at the top they're in the top of the standings, and they're doing pretty well. And of course, uh, you know, two straight zero zero scoreless draws, but against top tier teams. Now they just kind of have to tweak some things. They got a quick turnaround. There will be a quick turnaround. They will play at Louisville on Wednesday night, and then come back home on Saturday for Detroit City. So it's a busy stretch for the Riverhounds, and it's not easy competition. So we'll see how they do. They're getting get some players back. They got Albert Dequa, Robbie Mertz came back last night in the second half. So they're starting to get that rotation filled up again. A couple more injuries still lingering. Uh, Jamali Waite still playing in the Gold Cup. And as we speak right now, the Gold Cup is going on. So there's all of that going on as well. But uh, the two things that I want to talk about uh, will be, uh, again, Steel City FC, uh, we'll bring uh, one of our old friends onto the pod a little bit later, Nikki Kolarik. Nikki is, he's a Pittsburgh soccer icon now. I mean, he's played with the Riverhounds years back. He's been part of the MPSL team, whether, you know, it was previously the Hotspurs, uh, before that, you know, the Fort Pitt Regiment. Uh, Nikki's been around. He's uh, He's seen it all. He's been this kind of this leader, this veteran presence and leader for, for the Steel City FC, as uh, they have a lot of you know young college players currently playing in college, guys that have recently graduated, uh, some other guys, few other guys that are veterans and that you know been out of college for a while now, but um, but all really good players still looking to play at a very high level and really exciting because they finished the season unbeaten. Uh, so we'll be talking to Nikki about that, um, and he's been through with this club since it's since its inception and i'm sure he'll have a lot of great things to say and then in addition we're going to have rachel uh krieger join me very shortly and rachel of course you know contributor with pittsburgh soccer now uh, but she's also someone who uh you know both rachel and i have been following the randy pitt pitt head, women's head coach randy waldrum 
We've been following the story very closely. Of course, one of the more recent editions of Sounding Off on Soccer, Randy uh, Waldrum was on uh, with me, and we he spoke candidly about the situation with the Nigerian women's soccer team, which he you know has was hired to coach in 2021 got them to qualify for the Women's World Cup. The women's We are on the eve of the Women's World Cup. And now, of course, there's been some controversy and there's been some, there's just been a lot, a lot to unpack. So I'm going to bring Rachel on now and we're going to talk about that. Uh, so, of course, she was on my um, podcast and that was kind of the, the first thing that got the floodgates going in terms of at least stirring up some response from the Nigerian media and the Nigerian Federation, um, some of the things that he, Randy had to say. And then, of course, you know, in the weeks that have followed, the couple of weeks that have followed, um, week and a half or so, uh, you know, there's been some other stories. Randy has spoken to another podcast. And of course, Rachel kind of got the exclusive uh, this past week interview with Lauren Gregg, who is the coach who who's assistant coach for Randy throughout the Nigerian, uh, his experience as the Nigerian um, um, head coach. And she's been his right hand, a U.S. soccer, women's soccer icon. But she's being left out. She's being left out in the cold. So uh, in terms of not being able to make the trip to the World Cup. So we'll talk to Rachel about that interview that she did. Fantastic story in the Equalizer dot uh, com. So we'll we'll get to that very shortly. We're going to bring Rachel on right now. All right, I got Rachel Krieger here. Rachel, uh, first of all, first off, it's been a busy, it's been a whirlwind for both of us. Uh, we've I was just talking about how you know you you really got the scoop. You got an exclusive interview with Lauren Gregg. Well, you and I have both been following the Randy Waldrum story in terms of. Uh, the progress, what's going on with the Nigerian uh, women's team. Um, and I'd also like to talk to you a little bit about the World Cup as well. But uh, it's been quite a week, hasn't it, Rachel? Well, honestly, you know, John, you were the one, the dominoes started falling with you. So kudos. Yeah, and then I listened to the, I think it was the Whistle, the the second podcast with Randy Waldrum um, just last <clears throat> just last night. Um and yeah, I mean it's it's been crazy. And then the the Lauren Gregg story came out. Um, I have to I have to say I'm not a fan of Megan Rapino right now for her dropping her retirement yesterday when I dropped my story. So um, wasn't wasn't thrilled with that. But <laughs> but um, no, it's definitely getting some eyes. Definitely getting some traction. And yeah, I mean it, it's just you know two two people you know going to war with with this federation that doesn't want to pay their players and and doesn't want to you know res respect these coaches for for what they are and, and the credentials that they have and the expertise that they bring so again I, I mentioned it before i brought you on but i'll mention it again so rachel of course you contribute to pittsburgh soccer now you you uh, obviously support do a lot of other uh work for other um outlets but i do really want to praise the work that you do covering women's soccer in the united states and Equalizer Soccer is, is the site where you've done a lot of really great stuff and including this exclusive interview you did with Lauren Gregg, who, as I mentioned, is the, the basically was Randy's right hand. But also, I mean, Lauren has this, you know, um, unbelievable career as a soccer, women's so soccer icon, as a player, as a coach, um, just as a representative of the game. And 
you know, she she stood up for you know for what she believed in, uh, obviously, in her comments to with an interview with you, but. Uh, and it also just reflected just from looking at the article, looking at the story, looking at the photos, um, the, the Nigerian players really look like she's someone that they they really enjoy being around. And they're not going to be yeah. yeah. And I mean, like, honestly, I, I hate to sound like, you know, someone with a short attention span, but even just look at the the pictures in the article, um, the selfies with the players, the, you know, just the personality that that is exhibited in the photos. But yeah, she, you know, a lot of the players have really, you know, said they enjoy, I think she had said, you know, they enjoy having her around for her energy, the expertise she brings. Um, yeah, like I had to pinch myself a little bit about, you know, interviewing her because like you said, John, she is a She's a she's a U.S. soccer icon, you know, coached with with the best of the best. Anson Dorans, the the late, the great Tony DiCicco, um, just so many uh, incredible coaches. And then, you know, she has just the, this list of credentials. She, she sent me she sent me her full CV or whole, her whole resume, basically, of uh, all the work she's done, not just with U.S. soccer, but like with FIFA, too, as well. Um, and just, yeah, promoting the game. And, and you know, it, that's what it really comes down to because her her and Randy have both said it, you know, whether it be, you know, in these stories that, that we've covered or just conversations with them that they they love giving back to the game, right? The, that's what they do this for. Um, and, and they and they want to uplift women and they want to um, give them, you know, their, their due, but they want to they want to make the game better than than what they came into it especially Lauren you know as a as a player and as a coach absolutely and you know i think it was mark goodman maybe uh soccer rabbi or of course another contributor for pittsburgh soccer now it's somewhere along the lines after some of the you know randy's comments came out and there was a lot of back and forth and randy and mark had said something along the lines of you know, it's really difficult for some of these coaches that are working with other nations. Sometimes it's a very difficult situation. Nigeria has has a bad reputation already. Randy knew that going in, but he also he he protected himself somewhat, right? He made sure he he signed a contract at Pitt that was you know that that was solid, and he had the support of Heather Lake and Pitt's administration before taking the Nigerian position. So I think from that standpoint, he knew that going in, he he needed to be have stability somewhere as a coach. He didn't want to have to deal with it, you know, this being his his own only thing because he he saw the instability on the Nigerian side. But at the same time, like in two years, like I think he really felt like he could have he he and Lauren and whoever else he could bring on board. Um, could really have an impact, and and no, they, I think that on the players, they it seems like they have, um, and they're, talent wise, they've got talent. This is this this just in terms of the resources and the organizational side of it, um, it's going to be a struggle for them, I'm sure, uh, in in the competition against Canada and Australia. Yeah, and you know that's what one thing that Lauren you know ended our talk with was. 
you know, it, it's it's a shame that all this stuff is going on and they can't focus on preparing because, yeah, like you said, I mean, Asiato Shola, um, you know, I, I can't think of their goal, their starting goalkeeper's name off the top of my head, but she's playing. Um, she has played extremely well. I watched the Revelations Cup um, and, and she was extremely, extremely good in that tournament. Um, and then a uh, personal favorite of mine, Uchenna Kanu, um, who played in, in Tigris, and I, I cover Liga Emeki's Femenil for Equalizer, so I've, I've covered a lot of Uchenna, um, talked to her, had had an interview with her um, at Equalizer when she joined Racing Louisville. Um, she's a really good attacking option for them. Um, Michelle Alose, she's now with um, Houston Dash. She basically, um, one of my colleagues, just did a profile on her where she on equalizer soccer, where she said, you know, I basically just shot a Hail Mary right through a Hail Mary pass and, and reached out to Randy and he invited me into a camp, uh, gave me the opportunity to try out and then brought me on board. And now she's going to the world cup um, in America, you know, if Manu, she's going to the world cup um, Gotham FC forward. So yeah, there's, there's so much talent, you know, both from, you know, American Nigerians, from um, domestic Nigerians and then Nigerians who are playing um, and really raising their stock and going to Europe because um, all due respect, they're not going to get the best um, club competition playing in Nigeria, right? They're going to get their best competition playing in France against teams like PSG and Lyon and then playing for um, teams that are um, playing in the, the Women's UEFA Champions League. Um, all kinds of stuff. I mean, they have a striker that's even played in Russia, which helps because then at St. Petersburg goes to the the Champions League. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just unfortunate that there's so much being taken away from um, from like the on the field preparations. And, you know, Lauren even said, like, you know, she doesn't even know if she's going to the World Cup yet or not. And she's giving She's helping Randy and helping the team with World Cup preparations, giving them, you know, 20, 30 hours worth of um, scouting reports on, on Canada. Um, and, you know, John, is, as he mentioned in, on your podcast, that um, that's a game that they're really, really zeroing in on, this Canada game. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think there's just – there's a lot to it, obviously. It's, it's a big bomb and – you know, players are even saying, hey, we might even um, boycott the first game against Canada. So there's a lot of moving pieces and I don't think it's really going to it's not just going to stop. Right. It's it, it, there's going to be a big spotlight on this. They're going to be talking about it during um, the Nigeria games. And honestly, within some of the other games, there's at least on my count, nine or ten teams out of the 32 going head to head with their federation right now. So um, some are some are more. Uh, chaotic for lack of better phrase um, like Spain and Nigeria and, and, and South Africa um, and some like the big guys of England and Germany, there's still tension there and they're still going uh, and fighting with their Federation. So it's, it's not something that's just going to stop. Yeah, there is. And I even saw one thing where the Jamaican national team was trying to, you know, raise money so that they could still, uh, you know, deal with the costs that are incurred from, from this, this, it is a challenge. I think Australia is probably for a lot of countries, probably one of the most challenging trips anyone could take. So have to always give credit to the Australian and the New Zealand sides, uh, the travel often, uh, they're the ones always have to travel everywhere else. 
Right. Uh, but anyway, I think they should have, I think they, you know, Australia should have some advantages. Maybe, you know, I think that's something uh, we can talk about. But yeah, I mean, looking at Randy and, and how he's handled this, I mean, I wrote about this in my column today. Like, he's a guy who, you know, he will speak candidly. He will tell you like it is. And I've been sensing something all along, even in my conversations with him over the past six months leading up to this. Is this what, I mean, we, we both of us have had these conversations with Randy, but did you really expect it to get to this point? Uh, I, I just, I didn't think it would go, go this far. I figured at this point, the World Cup, there's FIFA money involved. At this point, Nigeria players should, should have been well taken care of. But it, it is really a shame, isn't it, Rachel? Yeah, and I mean, look, look at um, look at some of the teams Nigeria, you know, has played in some of the places that they've traveled. I just assumed that, you know, them going to Mexico for, for the Revelations Cup um, to play against Colombia, Costa Rica, and Mexico. That oh, okay. Well, everything is has probably been taken care of if they're if they're um making this big trip, right? Like, I, yeah, I don't understand. And I think Randy asks a very good question where he says, you know, that travel money that FIFA um has given to each team, like, where is that going? I mean, there, there's so many question marks right now. And yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't, I don't think I would have ever thought it would get this far, you know. Um, and, and I'll keep them to myself. And I'm sure, John, you've had these conversations with Randy too. But I've had a lot of off the record conversations with him about some of the things that have gone on behind the scenes. But even still, during those conversations, I was like, all right, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna get it together. They're gonna get it together. Um, but clearly, they have not got it together, and they're at this point where the scale is just tipping so far over that. Um, and, and really all eyes are on them right now. There is a global um, interest in this story. It's not just like, you know, it's not just Africa. It has attention on the story and or just North America. Like this is a global story just days before the FIFA Women's World Cup. Um, and like, yeah, like I said, it's unfortunate that, you know, it takes away from the on the field play. But at the same time, it's not unfortunate because um, these players are are basically at least getting from their coaches they're just due they're not going to speak out um because they're afraid of the retaliation right i mean it's it's such a double-edged sword um with like 15 different edges of the sword um so yeah it's 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 a complicated situation i give randy a lot of credit um and lauren also for speaking up and speaking out um knowing full well um that their players are probably it's not that they can't do it, but they also, you know, their hands are tied in a way too. Uh, and they, these players want to go to the World Cup and they don't want to jeopardize that because they've seen that retaliation is very plausible. They've seen that it, it is a thing that happens and it's happened uh, two, three times now in, in the past, um, what, like 24 months we're talking about here. So, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just an unfortunate situation all around. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I wrote this, too. It's very unfortunate because in Pittsburgh, this whole everything that's been going on with Randy and even the, the coaching situation with Lauren. And then, you know, we learned I only learned recently. I didn't realize this. Uh, someone we many people in Pittsburgh know and respect, Dr. Terry uh, Igu, Igu Oji, who is Nigerian, 
Uh, he's the director of coaching, uh, I believe, for PA West. And um, he's he's part of this group of uh, coaches that Randy has assembled. And of course, he can go. He's of Nigerian descent. Again, this is where all this geopolitics come in. You know, it's very unfortunate with Lauren. I mean, I just again, I just it just blows my mind. And we're all due respect to Terry. And he's a and his role is different. I mean, he's in terms of he's doing some match analysis. I'm sure he could provide. He has a certain role with that coaching group that Randy relies on. He's not Lauren Gray. He doesn't have, you know, all this experience in the World Cup as a, you know, on the women's side uh, that like she has. But and I, I just I just think it's very unfortunate. We should be celebrating his uh, and we, we are very happy for him to be there. But he's obviously there in the midst of all this as well. I'm sure he could provide support for Randy and. Um, you know, maybe bridge that gap between Randy and the other Nigerian coaches. And and, and then that might be a helpful person to have. But uh, but it's just it's unfortunate, um, really, that, um, you know, that something like that kind of gets buried in, in all the highlights uh, uh, talking about the this, this situation. And um, and yeah, I just I just think it's unfortunate. But Rachel, I really, we, you and I will probably have to get back together and and maybe spend a little bit more time, um, if we can, before the World Cup begins, uh, maybe to do a little bit more of an extensive preview. But we're definitely going to follow your previews uh, as well uh, on Equalizer Soccer. But uh, Rachel, just your thoughts uh, about the U.S. women's team heading into this uh, last, well, they just played today. They're getting on a plane probably as we speak to head to New Zealand, but uh, just your thoughts. I know they won two nothing today against Wales and basically a, a warm up. Um, just your thoughts on the U.S. team. I know there's been some injuries and whatnot. Yeah, and the injuries have plagued the defense really. Um, Trinity Rodman scored both goals for uh, the U.S. Women's National Team today, so that's a really good confidence booster for her because you know she had that incredible rookie season, and she's I mean she's been good, but she hasn't put up the numbers that she has before. Um, and, and she's she seemingly struggled in a U.S. shirt. So uh, exciting to see her get on the scoreboard twice uh, before they go to the World Cup. But yeah, I mean the defense has just been like rattled with these injuries. Abby Dahlkemper, Tierna Davidson. Um, uh, who am I missing? Becky Sauerbrunn, of course, um, the captain. Just so many injuries on that back line. They still have Crystal Dunn playing as a left back. And it's just like astounding because of of, of how she is and, and how she plays with Portland in the midfield. Um, but regardless, you need to fill those spots, right? So um, the only problem with me is is really the defense and the goalkeeper. Uh, Vlako Andonovsky decided to bring to uh, only two natural center backs to the tournament, uh, Naomi Gurma and Alana Cook. Emily Sonic can play in that position, but honestly, at that point, I think I would start Julie Ertz on uh, defense and center back like she was in 2015. Um, then I would put Sonnet back there. I just, I haven't been impressed with Sonnet um, in, in her recent form in the last like year and a half. Um, I don't understand why and how Kelly O'Hara is on the U.S. roster um, when, when she hardly plays in the league. And I, I mean, Black Andonovsky basically said she's here for leadership. Um, but that's really also why he brought Rapina, right? So it's like, how many more players are you going to fill roster spots with just for leadership when you've got players like, you know, Alex Morgan and Lindsay Horan who have just been named captains 
um, and all this stuff. So goalkeeper situation, listen, Chicago isn't good this year. Let's, let's be honest here. And, and it's not just entirely on one person, but there have been a few goals this season where uh, Alyssa Nair just hasn't looked good. She's looked rusty. She's been out of position. Um, it, it just been, has been a lackluster year from her to say the least. So I'm not super confident in the back line and the, um, and the goalkeeper situation right now. I think the midfield's fine. I think the striker position is fine. Of course, they're going to miss Mallory Pugh. Um, or should I say Mallory Swanson? Um, but, you know, they, they have a really, I think they have a pretty decent replacement in Sophia Smith. Um, the only thing I would have liked to see is uh, Ashley Hatch on the roster. Uh, don't think she really has been given her due respect. And right after not getting named to the roster, she scored, I think, her, her seventh or eighth goal of the season for Washington Spirit. So, uh, I don't hate that Alyssa Thompson's on the roster, but she had she, there, there's plenty of time. She's 18 years old. Um, and, and I would have personally given that spot to Ashley Hatch, Hatch but um, I'm definitely not losing sleep over that. I'm more losing sleep over the goalkeeper in the defense situation. Yeah, I, I we'll we'll have to watch and see how that goes. And, you know, I, I'm sure they'll get out of their group, but it's going to be a challenge, you know, when you when you bring him, I don't know. It's really it's going to be interesting because we talked for years about how U.S.'s depth is is second to none. But for more than ever, it's going to be tested um, in a tournament like this. It'll be really far away from home. You know, there's they may not even. I mean, I'm sure they're still they're still the number one team. They're still the favorite. Um, you've talked about uh, you you've had a couple uh, other nations that you think might uh, kind of wrestle the World Cup away from the U.S. And and my my real, my last question for you is uh, coming into, who do you think is, uh, might take the World Cup away from the U.S. this this time around? Well, I'll have to post my bracket for sure whenever this comes out because um, it's super chaotic and crazy. And John, if you know me, I love March Madness and I love basketball and I love a good upset or two. Um, I don't think the the host nation is going to win. Um, I I just haven't been impressed with Australia consistently in the last few years. Um, but I do think you know they'll they'll make it past the round of sixteen, but I, I don't think they'll go further than that. But I think um, Espana, I think Spain is going to have a really good tournament. Um, I would like to see them win the World Cup just so they can basically shove it in their federation's face um, and, and say, okay, now it's time to pay us um, equal pay. Um, also, you know, Brazil, of course, the storyline, March's last World Cup, that would be pretty killer. Um, and I just think Brazil is such a stacked team. Like, if you look at their roster, it is just absolutely loaded with talent on every single side of the, uh, of the ball. So I, I think Spain, Brazil... Um, and then honestly, like throw throw a hat in the ring for um uh for France too. They're a decently strong side. They've had they've had a couple injuries, but you know, if the bracket shapes up as I think it will, I think they have a pretty favorable side of the bracket. All right. Well, I'm noting those down because I'll probably part partake in some kind of World Cup contests here or there. Um, you know, make predictions. Maybe we'll do something uh, among our group. Um, I think we did something for the men's World Cup last year. So maybe why not for the women? We we, we can have some fun with it. There All we right. go. That would be fun. Yeah. 
All right. Well, Rachel, I know you've been busy and you just you're involved in a lot of things. And it was great to see that you were able to get to the Riverhounds game last night. Um, I don't know if you have a 30 second analysis of, of last night's match. Yeah, just um, just the Riverhounds have to figure out this like goal scoring conundrum problem. Um, I mean, the defense was great. I mean, I, I came in there. I had no idea. Nate Dos Santos wasn't. Um, playing and, and was actually had a little bit of a knock. Um, Danny Rivera didn't start, which kind of surprised me, but uh, I thought the defense really held its own uh, against a really tough Sacramento team with a good attack. Um, I just, this, this goal scoring conundrum is, is, is really killing Bob Lilly. Let's just say that a almost 20 minute conversation in, in the middle of the pitch afterwards. Um, and I think probably 70% of the conversation was about the lack of scoring. Well, he thought it was a little bit from what I what Dom reported uh, from Highmark Stadium last night. It was a little bit better than what they did against Louisville. He was really upset after the Louisville match. Uh, I thought it, it was a little bit better, but you know, this Sacramento's only given up twelve goals, I think, all year. Eleven goals. The Hounds have only given up sixteen. So going into it, I I kind of thought it would be like this kind of a match, but from every from what I've seen, and I still haven't done my watched the full replay that they they had their chances so they got to finish on those for sure yeah they definitely did I mean like you said that I I also went in with the same you know mentality and I took my students last night so I told them guys don't expect like four or five goals in this game so well yeah it was probably good you did that gave them a little uh expectation gave them some expectations uh what because that's really what it was what that match was uh, all about. All right. Well, Rachel, it's always great to have you on. And we, we will be talking more as we get closer to the Women's World Cup. And we will definitely be paying attention to your content uh, that you will be producing uh, is for uh, Equalizer. Uh, in addition to the Randy Waldrum story, you've already done some World Cup content. We'll be looking forward to more of that, too. Thanks, John. Have a good night. All right. Thank you, Rach. Take care.